We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to another live Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, again, today, the Nets signed Kyrie and Kevin Durant yesterday. Just got to bring that up every episode for the next 100. It happened. It happened. You know, obviously got DeAndre Jordan, got Garrett Temple, like we mentioned yesterday. Kyrie, Kevin Durant. The big news that we got, though, was that Kyrie and KD both took a pay cut. So the Nets essentially got DeAndre Jordan for free, and we didn't have to trade your boy Joe Harris. Would you it was sacrifice millions of dollars to have me work with OTG, Nick? If I was that rich, yeah, Jack, I would. If I was – like, they're already in the hundreds of millions. Like, they don't really care. Uh, KD could sign an endorsement deal tomorrow that's probably worth more than his NBA contract. Kyrie's probably looking at similar things. We talked about they're going to make a lot of money in Asia now. Hey, maybe, like, DeAndre, we'll have you around. And, hey, DeAndre's happy about it. He's getting 10 mil. He probably wasn't getting 10 mil in the market, at least for four years. No, it's it's an extensive deal, and obviously DeAndre Jordan is a little bit past his prime. I think that the Knicks probably, um, you know, over overstated that his time there a little bit. I think he's got a little bit more to give. Uh, maybe I'm just a little bit of an optimist, but you know, I think playing in a, in an environment with uh, your two best buds um, in, in a city that I think, you know, and a, with a coach I think will utilize you uh, in a good way. I mean, there's there's a few questions we had uh, in relation to DeAndre Jordan and, and Jared Allen. Um, I guess we should uh, jump right in. Yeah, let me give one quick nugget on DeAndre Jordan. I heard Stephen A. say this, so take it with a grain of salt, that DeAndre Jordan didn't necessarily enjoy his time with the Knicks and they didn't rub him the right way, and that potentially could have not helped them in terms of recruiting Kevin Durant. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, <laughs> it seems to me... When we were chatting about the news on the outlet about um, Ramon Shelbourne and Woj reporting that uh, James Dolan didn't offer him the max, and obviously it doesn't even look like Kevin Durant's going to take the max, um, we, uh, I really um, vibed with yours and, and Jay's takes, where it's just like, that's just BS. That's just James Dolan coming out and saying saying it for the fact so he doesn't 
come off as, as it's like, oh no, we we didn't want him in the first place. It's just like, um, but at the end of the day, um, we've got Kevin Durant now. We didn't have to pay the max for him. We got Kyrie Irving. Um, it's going to be a slow build, um, but you know it, it just shows you the the ineptitude of the New York uh, organization right now. Their front office is doing some okay things. I still think that they're overpaying some of the guys, um, but we don't need to talk about that. There's a Brooklyn podcast. Yeah, we'll save that for the outlet and the Knicks podcast and let them talk their sour. But hit me with those uh, DeAndre Jordan questions. Yes, yeah, so um, we'll start off with uh, Will I Am, Will Jackson. Uh, since you guys like giving percentage chances so much, we, we don't. Nick started. <laughs> I do, I do. I, I do like percentages. <laughs> I don't. Uh, what level do you expect 1% to 100%? Do you expect Katie to get back to of what he was? Uh, also, okay. what's the starting lineup look like right now? How's Jordan going to work with Allen? Okay, so we'll tackle the KD percentage first, portion first. I'm thinking 90% and then go either way 5%. So, like, 90% is just kind of, like, the middle ground I'm going. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back better than that, like, or he came back 5% less than he's only at 85%. But then you also remember Kevin Durant is so in love with basketball, there's other ways for him to impact the game that he necessarily hasn't gone to because he's so good at his other skills. So he's the full package, and there's even, in a way, more that he can add or more moves that he can use more consistently that he has in the past because he has such a wide skill set. Yeah, I saw on Twitter someone compare the fact that, you know, Kevin Durant, even at his worst, could be like a, a Dirk 2.0 sort of version. Jack Logan's saying that. Yeah, and to be compared to one of the best power forwards in the history of the game, when you're not at your best and you lose <laughs> a bit of athleticism, not too bad. Um, I'll probably go a little bit less than you, as I always do, but I would have done that anyway. I'll, I'll say probably about 80%. Uh, but 80% Kevin Durant is still you know, a top 20 player in the league, I would say. Um, and, and I think I said this on the, on the buzz briefly more than... Um, more than any other player, I think he has the best chance to get back to the closest amount of his best that we've seen. Women's in with Demarcus Cousins, you know, Rudy Gay is obviously aging. I mean, Dominic Wilkins is the is the sort of prototypical mold that you look to when guys do the Achilles injuries. But I think Kevin Durant has a real shot. I think the medical staff. I think you know, in Brooklyn, he's going to get everything catered towards him with his recovery. Um, he's not going to be forced back quickly. We know how the Nets like to sort of shield stuff when it comes to, you know, injury recovery time. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be able to do that with, with the likes of Kevin Durant and, you know, all the guys surrounding him and his party and his agency, uh, if they're going to be able to do that. I remember we were arguing when we were at a Nets game, us two, it's just like, do we even know what's going on with Alan Crabb? Um, yeah. I wonder if that frustration is going to be there for a guy like Kevin Durant because, you know, the, the league, the pundits, everyone not just Nets fans, wants to know about the superstars. And, you know, I think they're going to have to be a little more forthright in, in the news re relating to one of the game's biggest superstars. Yeah, I'll touch on it a couple ways. I think uh, you brought up a great point. And like you said, we discussed this in the past. We think KD can come back very well because of his skill set. And the fact is, he won't necessarily have to do, you know, a ton in terms of being the number one option when he comes back. If Kyrie's still 100% healthy, Karis LeVert, we expect to make a jump, and then other guys in the team. So his workload isn't going to be as crazy in terms of, like, we don't need Kevin Durant to be that top three player for the Nets to be really good. And you mentioned the medical team. Medical team is excellent. And I think a lot of people forget this. The Nets bring people all in, not only from the United States, but across the world. So technology-wise, I feel really confident in what they can do. If Kevin Durant was the best-case scenario ever coming back from a torn Achilles – wouldn't surprise me one bit at all, not only because of the medical team, because of his work ethic as well. So I'm excited to see what happens. And in your report about the media as well, I think you look at it, the Nets will probably give a little bit more than they did with probably Alan Crabb because, like you said, 
everybody wants to know about KD. But I think if you're KD, it almost like gives you a little bit of a cushion because you know the Nets aren't going to come out and be like, hey, yeah, we expect KD to be back in X amount of months. Makes his life a little bit easier and a little bit pressure, a little bit less pressure on his end, which was uh, probably one of the issues with Golden State at the end in terms of the finals. A lot of it came out that there was pressure for him to play, even if he wasn't necessarily ready. Yeah, and that came out from uh, Andre Iguodala to a certain extent, obviously related to his own personal experience. You know, Jay Williams, a close uh, confidant of Kevin Durant as well, reporting on, on some of his media outlets. Um, but we'll we'll jump into a question on the chat, Nick, before we tackle some more Will's ones because, you know, it's going to be hard to keep up. Our boy Jorge Cam too. Uh, congrats on but- Jimmy Butler, my dude. A uh, question for both of you. Do you expect the Nets to get better on offense or defense once they get KD? Offensively, 100%. I think anytime you had a seven-footer that can shoot, I think I'm just thinking about pick and pop with Kyrie and KD. You can't really switch. You can't really go under. You can't go over. There's just so many issues with that. Defensively, I think if you're concerned about the injury, that's where you maybe would be a little bit more concerned about because you know, you're using lateral quickness to kind of keep up with guys getting good position. And we know his defense took a really good step in Golden State. I still think it might give them a nice boost defensively just because he has the length and the size to actually play the four in the past couple of seasons. And that's really haven't had any true fours on the roster. Yeah. I mean, if you take into account where we've lost Ed Davis as a defender, we've lost D'Angelo Russell as a quote unquote defender. Uh, Kyrie replaces, I think Kyrie is better in Boston. I don't know if you'll be able to, that'll translate as greatly in the Brooklyn Nets defensive system. We were a better defensive team, surprisingly, than offensive team last season. Um, so I think we'll get better in both. Uh, I think Kevin Durant makes you better on both sides of the floor. Uh, it'll be interesting to see next season where we sort of finish in those ranges. I remember offensively, we were only about like 18th or 19th. But defensively, you know, we we're around 11th, which was a, a real surprise. And I think that, you know, some of the schemes that Coach Kenny was able to come up with, um, I think that his intelligence and his willingness to sort of do some creative things um, and when you've got a guy like Kyrie Irving, um, I think next season specifically, you can get super-duper creative. And um, I guess that sort of leads into Nick, uh, one of Will's other questions. What's the starting lineup look like right now? Obviously, no Kevin Durant. Uh, who we got as those uh, one, two, three, four, five? I think this is really tough. I think, you know, you're guaranteed two locks. I think Kyrie and Karis LeVert are guaranteed to start. Other than that, I think there is a lot of toss-ups. You think Rodion's, it's between like Rodion's, Torian Prince, and Joe Harris. If I had a guess, I think Joe Harris is going to start because, you know, Kenny loves him. He knows the role. He knows what he needs to do out there. Gives you the much-needed spacing. Then at the fourth spot, you know, I think it's a battle in training camp probably between Rodion's and Torian Prince, unless Torian Prince isn't interested in the four as much. But I think the Nets are interested in him playing the four. The center position, internally, like, Based off of what I saw last season, I think Jared Allen's going to start, but I would not be surprised if DeAndre were to start. Regardless, I think Jared Allen gets the starter minutes. Yeah, I think that – I think everyone's going to be – you know, some people were – and I think it leads to a lot of the questions that we had uh, around Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan, which I think we could discuss the sort of center battle a, a little more, you know, in coming minutes. But, yeah, I think that the battle between Toy and Prince and, and, and Rodion's courts is going to be an interesting one. I think that – it's nice to have two sort of wings that have done a little bit in the NBA. You know, I don't think either of them have proven themselves as their, you know, fullest capabilities. But, you know, Rodion showed some, some glimpses last season and you expect him to get better. You know, I'm excited to see him as a defender uh, more than anything. I think, you know, offensively, obviously, we want that three ball to fall a little bit more. And Torian Prince has proven it. That he's got that three ball going. Um, and I think that when you've got a guy like Kyrie Irving on the outskirts and the perimeter, you know, he can create some really nice stuff for him. You know, I did a little bit of a passing breakdown um, for Nets Republic. And, you know, he's got some really nice moves down low too. So I think that 
as a passer, he'll work well with the big guys, especially obviously with one of his best mates. But, um, you know, Toyin Prince obviously needs to improve as a defender too. So I think defensively, that lineup has a lot of limitations. You know, Kyrie Irving, subpar defender. Karis Levert, probably above average defender. Joe Harris, average defender. Toyin Prince, Rodion Skouritz, average defenders at best right now. And then Jared Allen, above average defender. So, I mean, we're always going to have our defensive limitations. Um, it's just going to be about schematically and, and ha- how we sort of play against certain teams. But um, I think that's the starting five right now. But uh, D-Rock sort of asked in relation to, I guess, that to an extent. Um, we have 14 players on the roster, apparently. Sean Marks finished for the summer. Do we still have 14 players on the roster? I thought because we uh, I don't think that we do have 14 players on the roster. I'll double check real quick. I'll give a quick thought about Torian Prince and Rodion's, though. I think yeah. the positive side on them defensively, they're probably average defenders right now, but there is plenty of potential for both guys to be a lot better. Like they have the skill set to be better defensively. And I think if you're in a training camp battle, that's when you're going to kind of get the best out of both guys. And it wouldn't even surprise me if Kenny were to start both guys, because then you have those guys started and all of a sudden your versatility defensively is up a whole nother level, depending on how Rodion develops a three point ball. Because if his three is knocking down pretty well, we know Torian Prince is a solid shooter. Karras needs to get his percentage up. Kyrie's a great three point shooter. Now all of a sudden you got the good spacing and now you have some more versatility defensively that you haven't had in the past. Yeah, uh, I think that the versatility is going to be key. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully... I'd really, really love... We chatted about this um, just before we jumped on. You know, Andre Godala hopefully gets bought out in Memphis. Um, I'd love him uh, on this Nets team. He would automatically become a really capable defender. You know, he shows that, you know... And I think within the Nets system, I think he would fit pretty well. He wouldn't... We'd be able to rest him quite consistently. You know, our medical staff will be able to take care of him, which uh, we know he doesn't necessarily like the Golden State <laughs> uh, medical staff to an extent anyway, what he said on Breakfast Club. But uh, yeah, we definitely have more, less than 14 players. And one we have 12, spot, I believe. Yeah, spot track right now. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris, Garrett Temple, Toyin Prince, Kyle Savert, uh, Jared Allen, Jana Musa, and Rodion Skouritz. Um, and then so Nick, Nick Claxton you'll have on there for sure. And then uh, Hands will probably be a two-way contract if I had a guess. So you have most likely two to three spots, you know, depending on if they want – or they actually they could have up to four spots if they want to go into next season with an extra roster spot, you know, to have within the year. And Katie might not even technically be on the roster depending on what the, their goal is for him if he's going to even attempt to play later in the year. Yeah, and also guaranteeing like Theo Pinson. So there's you know a range of twelve to fourteen players that could happen, um, and obviously there's plenty of stuff that can sort of happen uh, around that sort of range. But um, no, I think that there's still some moves to be made, Dero. Um, I think that there's going to be you know we, we mentioned a guy like uh, Andre Iguodala. Um, he asked, is, "Is Theo Pinson gone?" Not 100% if, sure. And Nets uh, put a qualifying offer at him. I believe they would have to rescind it anyways, though, because of the signings. But I would still think it's probably likely that they could get him for a minimum or an extremely small deal because he's a guy that's grew up with the G League system they have. He probably appreciates them. They appreciate him. And I think he thinks that he can get better with the team. You know, probably we'll see something maybe similar to that first Spencer Dewey deal where it was like first year guaranteed, second year was partially guaranteed, and they obviously ended up keeping him for both. Yeah, we'll wait and see that. Um, I, I think that obviously the draft picks, you know, Nicholas Claxton is a second rounder. So the, as much as, you know, he, it seems fait accompli that he'll get a guaranteed deal when it comes to second rounders, they're not necessarily guaranteed. Um, and obviously, Alan Williams will probably be off the roster too. He's on that two-way sort of deal. You know, I'd rather give that two-way deal to, like you sort of mentioned, a guy like Jalen Hands or, or someone else. But, you know, it, it's fascinating because the roster is starting to come together. And we talked about what's this, you know, 15-man roster going to look like you know, one or two more, you know, 
Andre Iguodala, Jared Dudley. You know, for me, those are my sort of two guys that I would sort of love to have, or some other vet guy, Vince Carter, um, Jared Dudley, Vince Carter, Andre Iguodala. These sort of guys. Kyle Corver, we mentioned, if he's bought out, possibly has a ties to Kenny Atkinson as well. Yep, Kyle Corver, I think, is a is a really good one too. Um, should we address our insert cool names question? Do it up. Uh, what do you guys think about the Nets signing or trading someone like Morris, uh, Peterson, etc.? Peterson. Uh, I'm not really sure uh, about Peterson, but um, they can't really trade for anybody right now unless they were to move one of the guys in the roster. And I think what they have in terms of who already are on the roster before they brought in the free agents are all on value deals. So unless there's some type of other big star that you could possibly acquire, it doesn't seem like there's one on the market. Most of the guys I would expect to stay on the team. They don't have any trade exceptions either. No. Um, and, and I think that it seems like um, – Oh, he's a retired player, apparently. Uh, oh. My bad. But yeah, I think that, you know, and we, we spoke about it in some offseason pods and some previews that the, the Morris brothers would be a nice sort of fit at that powerful position. It seems to me that when you can have the, the opportunity to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, your priorities lie elsewhere. And <laughs> I mean, we'll probably still have Nets sort of going crazy over our power forward position for at least another 12 months, unless we, you know, Nicholas Claxton turns into something or Rodion's courts is a bona fide sort of guy. I spoke about, you know, at moments last season that he could turn into that, uh, but he's going to start hitting that three ball quite consistently and, you know, jacking up a little bit uh, in the gym. But uh, D-Rock again, we're, we're going to have a long pod at this rate and I'm enjoying it. Will we see Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan doing the river dance? Kevin Durant's not going to be doing that river dance anytime soon, but do because uh, we didn't take care of that Achilles. Yeah, I don't think we'll see any dancing from KD unless it's on a scooter. Um, we, we, well, I think we maybe see like a little bit of a dance or a couple laughs from Kyrie. I think his like emotional mindset is going to be a little bit different in Brooklyn than it was in Boston because we've kind of talked about it on previous shows. He just didn't necessarily enjoy Boston, the city where he's excited to be in Brooklyn. We saw the video he posted on IMG. You know, he's from New Jersey. He grew up being a Nets fan. I think there's a little bit more excitement. And DeAndre's a funny dude. We, we know that. It's kind of been a thing for a while. Yeah, and I think that the, the chemistry, having, you know, just your best mate there, um, Kyrie Irving mentioned throughout the season, you know, to, to Boston media and media in general that he was excited. He, he wanted to have what the he, – he, he didn't mention the Brooklyn Nets specifically, um, but maybe he was he was referencing them uh, quite specifically because he was like, well, you know, you see all these benches, you know, dancing and, and jumping up and down having fun. Um, you know, he could have that next season. Obviously, pretty much all those guys that were on and in those dancing memes on Earl Jefferson, Theo Pinson, Alan Williams, Jared Dudley – might not be Nets next season and probably aren't going to be Nets next season. But, you know, you can still create some new dances, you know, bring back the Dougie or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think we could see like possibly some of those guys back. Uh, Joe Harris was part of some of those videos. You know, Spencer's still there. I honestly, you mentioned veteran minimum and a guy who hasn't got any attention at all. Like I wouldn't like completely rule this out would be Rondé back on a veteran minimum. Yeah, that's, that's someone who I would really like to. If I was the Los Angeles Lakers, um, I would look at him. I think he could be a nice bench piece. And for, for that matter, I think 29 other teams could use his value. And, you know, it's nothing is set in stone yet, Nick. Um, that's for sure. But um, do you have the numbers in front of you? Because D-Rock's asking, how much cap space do we have? Uh, we're still on the front court. Are we making a trade with the Knicks or the Sixers for some beefy guys? And can we sign someone to play the four? So sort of touch on it a little bit. but Zero um, cap space. 
Zero. Yeah, zero. They have no cap space. The room exception was used for Garrett Temple. There's no exceptions. There's no anything. The only guys they can really sign right now are veteran minimum guys, unless they were, like I mentioned, to trade somebody else on the roster. And it would have to be more of a salary match for that to happen. So you'd have to trade, you know, a Dinwiddie or Joe Harris to get anybody of quality or put a couple contracts together, which at this point wouldn't really make any sense. So I don't think they'll bring in any major free agents, like I said, it'll probably be veteran minimums guys, unless Sean Marks does something that, you know, we haven't thought about, which is a real possibility because some of the things that happened yesterday, I don't think you necessarily expected that. Could you see the Nets doing something at the trade deadline um, before the buyout market is, is completed? Does this make us now, I think we touched on it briefly in yesterday's episode. Do you think this makes them a contender now to sort of get some of those vet guys uh, to come join uh, Kyrie and KD in Brooklyn? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because if you think of the buyout market, most of the time it's guys that are usually past their prime or like they're on a contract that's a little heavy and they're on a losing team. They'll sign for the veteran minimum. And then you always have a better chance of possibly retaining them in the summer or something like that. Because, I mean, even where the Nets are at right now, you know they're going to be a playoff team. There's, you know, we'll talk about this later. I think I'm looking at them as, you know, probably a top four seed. So that's attractive. Brooklyn is now a brand that is big. Like this is now a big time team, a lot of attention. Players are going to want to come here. When you're next to KD, next to Kyrie, like, and there's just a lot of star pop right now, it just makes you a lot more attractive. And these guys have been in the league a good amount of time. So they have more connections and relationships across the league than, you know, let's say last year when we, you know, our key players are all in the league for two to three years. They don't really have the relationships with some of these older guys that are bought out. So I think it's a lot more likely they end out in the buyout market. Yeah, and in relation to the sort of buyout market and the guy we mentioned in passing, but a Nets legend, uh, A.O. Book asks what you'll think about Vince coming back for his last year. I mean, wouldn't it just be perfect? I feel like it has to be Brooklyn or Toronto almost just for the storyline. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely love it. I mean, I love Vince. You know, I had season tickets when he was on the team, watched a lot of Vince. I think, honestly, some arguably his best years came with the New Jersey Nets. He just had some moments that were incredible. I'll never forget the dunk he had in Alonzo morning. So, I would love it. I mean, like you said, hopefully it's either the Nets or Toronto. If not, at least be on some type of contender. If he's on the Lakers, I wouldn't even care either because I just want to see him in like a winning situation. Yeah, Vince Vince deserves that. He's uh, an absolute quality guy and playing, you know, an NBA record, I think 22, 23 seasons is absolutely insane. But uh, we got some of the questions on Twitter from Zach Murphy, you know, a fellow uh, host, co-host of the the Brooklyn Buzz uh, at times. He's got a couple. We'll start with the first one. Uh, Garrett Temple's minutes and his slot in the rotation, what do you project that to be, Nick? Uh, I mean, I think it's really tough for us to get into minutes right now until we see the completely full roster and then also hear a little bit more about training camp. Like, how does a guy like John Musa do? Like, is he coming in and getting minutes or is he still like another year of development? I think he's playing most of his minutes at shooting guard, probably small forward. I think the Nets are going to put out a decent amount of small lineups as they always do. And I wouldn't expect anything big. I wouldn't expect anything more than like 20 minutes, probably something between that 10 to 20 range. But then if there's injuries, he's a great guy to have around. And like I said, he's a good locker room guy. Yeah, great locker room guy. You know, guy's been around the league quite consistently. You know, sh- shot the three ball for his career at above a 35% clip. Um, so he knows how to do that sort of thing. He knows how to do the right sort of things. Um, so I expect him to sort of probably come off the bench in a similar sort of Tamari Carroll-ish role, uh, I think in, in, in a more of a, a shooting sort of sense. Um, you know, I don't think he's the best defender in the world, um, but he can do some stuff. Uh, and I think that he's that sort of locker room presence. I think, you know, these sort of guys, you know, Garrett Temple, Wesley Matthews, 
you can probably a lot slot them in into that sort of backup rotation, give you maybe you know fifteen to twenty five minutes per night, depending on how they're going, how the how the matchups are. Um, obviously, it's, we'll be doing some season previews. Obviously, you know as the season becomes a little bit closer, and I'll be diving deep into some, into some Garrett Temple video too, just so I can get um, a little more uh, information and, and knowledge of his game because he's been bouncing around the league uh, quite a bit, but. A quick nugget on him, the Nets almost acquired him at the trade deadline last year because they almost traded Alan Crabb to Memphis for Garrett Temple and Jermichael Green. So he was close to becoming a Net last season. So maybe there's been an interest longer than just this previous you know, couple days. Yeah. Um, a little bit of an off-topic question from Insert Cool Name before we get into some more of Zach's ones. Who has more value in the trade market, Jarrett Allen or Miles Turner? I think both of those guys have sort of been brought up somewhat to an extent. Miles Turner's more established. You know, and he's, I think he's on a probably a good deal for his contract. I mean, he was almost a defensive player of the year last year. You know, Jared Allen probably has more like upside because you don't know what you're going to get. But I think Miles Turner is more of a proven product where if you're a contender and you add Miles Turner, your team is literally taking a huge jump. Jared Allen isn't necessarily the center on a contending team, possibly just yet, depending on how he does, you know, weight wise in the offseason, gets his game up to that next level. I think he probably needs at least another year of experience. So definitely Miles Turner. Yeah, I think Miles Turner got mentioned in the in trades around that sort of number four pick um, in during just before the draft. So um, he was a defensive player of the year candidate. He's what we want, you know, Jared Allen to be, you know, in a sort of established defensive center who can hit the three ball um, and you know do some some work in the pick and roll. And then Miles Turner is a much more established product and much more valuable at this stage of his career. But um, in terms of realistic expectations, assuming KD is out all year, Nick. Um, I know that I've said before that, you know, I don't know how to jump the Nets make with Kyrie over D'Lo, um, but they'll probably be a little bit better, but obviously there'll be some chemistry things to work out. Yeah, I think you also got to throw in, like, the fact that added Torian Prince, too, and they added Garrett Temple, and then DeAndre Jordan to Ed Davis is probably a pretty clean swap. You know, Ed Davis does some things better, but DeAndre might offer you a little bit more offensively with his vertical spacing. You know, he's not the elite jumper he once was, but he still has great size. I think you look at Garrett Temple kind of swapping for Alan Crabb. Garrett Temple is definitely better. You know, Torian Prince over to Mari Carroll. Mari Carroll probably has some of that veteran presence, but Torian Prince is definitely younger, more athletic, can do more things around the rim. So I think even, you know, without the Kyrie and D'Lo swap, you're looking at a slight upgrade in the roster. I think with the way the East is going, there's a good chance they could land a top four seed. They'll probably be competing with Boston and Indiana for that four seed. Depending on what happens with Toronto, we still don't know what's up with Kawhi. Because the Raptors will see a pretty big drop off if they do not retain Kawhi. Yeah, I think that that that's set in stone, and you know it all sort of depends on Kawhi's almost like Thanos right now. He controls everything <laughs> around the league. Um, those memes have been going crazy, but yeah, I think the realistic realistic expectations, assuming KD's out all year, you know, will be around that range, like you mentioned, Nick. You know, I think that you know if all things you know really sort of click like they did last season, you know, we could compete for an Eastern Conference final position. You know, yeah. I think it, it all depends on, for me, at the end of the day, how good Kyrie Irving is going to be. How and how good, good Karis LeVert going to be. That's a, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And, you know, how much of a jump can Jared Allen take? You know, we expect improvements from Karis LeVert and, and Jared Allen. Oh, I remained incredibly skeptical about Kyrie Irving, about how much better he can get. But he is still, you know, he still has only 26, 27 years old. So he can get better or he can despite the fact that I think a lot of people are trashing the fact that last season, you know, he had an incredibly good season. Um, I thought he was absolutely amazing, you know, all NBA second team, but it's, you know, I think the optics around it and everything that's happening around that has taken away from it. So, you know, I think that we could, 
Um, uh, best case scenario, probably, you know, 50 wins. You know, I think late 40 wins. Um, you know, I think that an eight-win jump would be absolutely incredible. Um, but, you know, I think that realistically, I think we'll probably finish around that 45-win mark um, and, you know, around that sort of, you know, four to, to six seed range, uh, maybe even push for, for a third or second seed. Yeah, I think uh, I'll probably lean a little bit closer. Obviously, I'm a little op- more optimistic. A little bit closer to the 50-win mark. And I think it, a lot depends on the other teams because some of these other teams have their own issues. You know, we're looking at Boston. What's going on? They signed Ennis Cantor. That's a substantial drop-off from Al Horford defensively. You know, Kemba Walker and Kyrie's somewhat of a wash, but obviously Kyrie's slightly better. They're hoping some of the year, their young guys can make a jump. And then you look at the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon, a huge signing, but they're bringing a lot of new pieces. And then Victor Oladipo's health is still up in the air. When is he going to be back? And when he comes back, how is he going to play? Because he did suffer a really bad injury. Yeah, and, and I think that the Nets have at least some health on their side, somewhat of health. You know, obviously we assume Kyrie Irving is now back at 100% health, but, you know, I think that we'll be able to dive a little bit deeper once we see what happens at Summer League. We see some guys, um, you know, around there, see what Nicholas Claxton can do. We see some preseason games. We see some off-season video. Uh, we hear from the coaches. We, we have the media days and such, but... Um, you just he- press conference. <laughs> like, I'm so excited to see the press conference of KD and Kyrie Irving. Like, that's just nuts. That's like, I'm already thinking, how am I going to get out of work for that? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an an historic day um, for for Brooklyn Nets fans. But um, I guess we'll we'll touch on a guy who has been you know an absolutely awesome Brooklyn Net. Do you feel good about the D'Lo send off? Yeah, I man, he got his money, yeah. man. He got maxed out. I wasn't guaranteed D'Lo was gonna get maxed. I know he'd get twenty mil plus, but he got maxed out. It seems like Golden State has the intention of trading him. Dude, would not be surprised one bit if he's maxed out by Golden State. Comes December when you know the you're able to trade new signings, he ends up in Minnesota. Some pieces go back to Golden State, and he gets what he wants. I think Minnesota really wanted to sign him, but I really don't know if they had any way of opening up the cap space. Yeah, and I think that there was a real motivation. It seems from Sean Marks to to do right by D'Angelo Russell, and that just shows you. You know, how good of a guy Sean Marks is and how much goodwill was built up between the two parties. And D'Angelo Russell deserves this. You know, he deserves that money. I mean, he get that Jamal Murray money. Uh, I, I think I mentioned, you know, on Twitter, I don't think Jamal Murray is $53 million better than D'Angelo Russell. I think that uh, it, like, prorates his, um, this upcoming year for him. So it's not as much as you think. Right. Okay. It's still just that number. Just I think. Yeah. Out it's like there. yeah. It pops. It pops. It, I mean, he's still getting more money than D'Lo is because it's just like he's getting that bank. Like good for him. Yeah. And I, there's a part of me that almost just like sort of salivates the fact that Nate Duncan is just so salty about the fact that D'Angelo Russell is joining, you know, his team in Golden State. Um, you know, I think that Steve Kerr is smart enough to to make things work with him. You know, with Clay Thompson out for a large portion of the season, you have a backcourt of D'Angelo Russell and Stephen Curry. That's probably the, mo- the most lethal offensive duo you could think of. You know, we spoke about Kyrie and D'Lo's uh, potential. You take that from Kyrie having the, the second or third best point guard in the league to being the best point guard in the league, then they're going to be shooting some lights out. Um, they can I shoot think Kyrie, they pass half court. <laughs> yeah, you can Kyrie Irving, uh, not Kyrie Irving, DeAnza Russell works better with the ball in his hands and there's a better passer than Stephen Curry. So I think that... I'm excited to see their two-man game. And, and you know, from you know, a lot of us have probably hated the Golden State Warriors for a long time, but they're now going to have a soft spot in their hearts because um, they've got loading. And D'Angelo Russell, um, he's going to be an awesome fit there, despite the fact that defensively there's going to be some issues. But uh, it's going to be fun to watch them night to night. 
Draymond's going to earn his money this year. If he's going to be up for defense player of the year, he's going to have to put in some work trying to cover up for both those guys. But literally offensively, that might be one of the most fun backcourts to watch in the entire league. Like their skill sets in some way are similar. Like obviously D'Lo is a very, very light version of Steph Curry, but you can see the similarities in their game. I'm excited for D'Lo for what he can learn from Steph and just being in that environment. And I think he'll really benefit from that. Maybe they don't even end up trading him and he ends up staying. I'm not 100% sure 100% sure that's a lock that he's traded. It was just mentioned, you know, today in the last 24 hours. Yeah, it was good to see him, you know, get that nice little payday to four years, $117 million. Um, it was certainly a number that was probably a little bit more than what we would have wanted or what we would have expected, but he deserves that. You know, he had a, an incredible season. And, you know, just the, again, the comments from Nate Duncan, it's like, it's, I think one of the comments was like, it's amazing how, an all-star replay, injury replacement is changing the trajectory of one franchise and the franchise and many others. I'm just like, the dude is just like such a basketball nerd that he can't just like enjoy narratives and such. It's just like, oh, he's not at a mid-level exception or some bullshit like that. Yeah, it's like D'Lo, like I get it. Like his numbers weren't amazing, but if you watch the Nets, you realize that from mid-December and on or even from January on, like D'Angelo Russell was clearly an all-star, even without the replacement or not. He's an all-star level player. And he carried the team because they dealt with a lot of injuries. Like, I don't get why people are still hitting on D'Angelo. Like, he didn't prove a lot in Brooklyn. Like, he led the team to the playoffs when two of their best players were injured for a chunk of the season. Yeah, exactly. But um, I guess the the main question... Oh, okay. Uh, insert cool names jumped in again. Agree or disagree? Warriors at this point are, at this point are just trying to salvage their future and dynasty. Um, this move sort of indicates it to an extent. Um, but I think that when you lose Kevin Durant, you know, I think that so many unforeseen circumstances change the, the route and the future and the short-term and long-term future. When you lose the best player in the game to an Achilles injury, you know, he could have stayed there um, if, if that hadn't have happened. Clay Thompson, obviously, with the ACL. If he had been playing this season, you know, I, I think that they probably, if you have Steph, Clay and Draymond, I still think that that's probably at least a second seed in the Western Conference. Yeah. You know, they proved that in 2015-16 when they won that first championship, and you can get some pieces around that too. But you know, adding DeAndre Russell isn't the most isn't the best schematic fit, isn't the best cohesive fit. But I think that it still makes them you know competitive. You know, I think that there is that much parity in the league right now. You know, I don't think that uh, since I've been an NBA fan, I can't remember a, a, a championship race as wide open as it has been. But the Golden State Warriors can still be in there, depending on what happens with like you know teams like the Lakers and such. It seems to me like everyone's jumping on the Utah bandwagon. You know who knows what Denver's going to do with their with their growing roster. Um, but I really like what Golden State have because you know I value continuity in this league, and I think continuity is going to hold them in good stead. And you've got a, an MVP caliber all time player uh, in Stephen Curry and one of the best defensive players we've seen uh, in recent memory in Draymond Green too. So. Things are going to be pretty good in Golden State, despite the fact that, yes, the dynasty is changing. I thought it was an incredible move by Golden State to be able to respond to losing Kevin Durant in a situation where you have no cap, you hardly have any draft picks, you're not going to bring, be able to bring in any young talent. They just signed a 23-year-old all-star. Depending if they keep or not, it's a huge asset that they had no way of acquiring other than the sign-and-trade with the Nets and working that route really quickly to sign him. So... I give them a lot of props because they easily could have walked away with nothing. You know, when the Nets had no need to kind of get into it, and all the Golden State really had to do was give up some picks to get rid of Iguodala and then give the Nets a pick, and then they get a 23-year-old all-star that can either turn into, you know, other role players that you surround Clay, Curry, and Draymond with, or you keep them, and now you have a young piece moving forward as some of these other guys age. I thought it was an incredible move. 
Yeah, it was it was really out of nowhere. I mean, it's sort of it was a wild day um, for the NBA in general and 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 in NBA history. But you know, this just made it even wilder. But um, in relation to that, where's that question from um, Crimson Striker? Um, Delo going to be traded by Golden State in a year? Do you think? I think it's a real possibility. I think the Minnesota thing might be under the table handshake that they have going. But hey, let's say D'Angelo and Steph like work it out and they play really really well together. I trade him like you know Clay's defended threes a lot in the playoffs just run it with it now your spacing is like D'Lo's not necessarily an elite shooter yet but he has moments where he is so then you're just incredibly good offensively I mean like I said it I think I said it to you I don't know if it was you or I post on Twitter like he's not a splash brother but he's good enough to be a splash cousin like he's right there yeah definitely I, I think that you know there's certainly the possibility I think Carl Anthony Towns will certainly be uh, speaking to the front office about it you know he posted that Instagram story and <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. And I think it's still loading. I think that that Instagram story is still loading. Let's put it that way. He's got to leave um, it to December. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think that they seem the most likely team. They're either going to be trade partners, but what are the assets that is going to benefit Golden State in return? I don't think that unless, you know, you're trading like a Robert Covington. I think you know, that would have to be the piece in maybe that's a pick the, or something. Yeah, it's something around that sort of range. We've got some non-Nets related questions and insert cool name. We can address those at a, at a later time, but D-Rock's got one in relation to Kenny Atkinson. How much pressure is on Kenny Atkinson to hit the ground running? I imagine a few bumps and bruises to start the season to get Kyrie, Kyrie in rhythm to the offense. Yeah, I think the pressure's on him a little bit more this year than last year. Obviously, the expectations to make the playoffs for sure and probably to be better than last season. So at least getting a fifth or fourth seed, you know, probably are not allowed to be under 500 at any point last year. We know they were under 500, went on the winning streak, popped over. But I think the real pressure for Kenny won't be this season. It'll be the following season when Kevin Durant's back or probably – their expectations that year in the playoffs because I don't think the record will be as important next year because KD will still be coming back from injury. But what they do in the postseason next year, not this year, will be where the pressure really comes on the Kenny. Yeah, I think that it's for Coach Kenny. You know, he was a a Coach of the Year candidate. Whether he finished second or third, he finished pretty pretty high up there um, in, in the standings. You know, there's potential that he could be around that sort of range again. You know, I think he's established himself as as a really good coach in this league. Obviously, you know, success is generally what breeds you uh, to being, you know, absolutely elite coach. Um, if he can show that, you know, he can quote, not tame because tame is a, is a really shitty word. And I don't think it, Kyrie ever needs to be tame. I think if he can nurture Kyrie and get the, the fullest out of him and they can develop, you know, a similar relationship to what he had with DeAndre Russell, one that's built on trust and, and, and mutual sort of two-way sort of street where it's just like, look, I'm going to let you do your thing because you're Kyrie Irving, but I'm going to need you to do these things. These are the non-negotiables. Um, I think that that, you know, established relationship between a point guard and their coach or uh, the ball, the floor general and his coach is the number one sort of thing because they are your coach out there on the floor. I think Kyrie Irving wants that responsibility. Uh, and I think Coach Kenny might have to take a step or two back. Um, I think that there could be some growing pains like Derek did mention. Um, but I'm excited to see how Coach Kenny can grow as a coach because, you know, the rotations, he can't be playing Kyrie Irving 32 minutes a night. Um, he's going to have to be playing in some elevated minutes because we've got a star on our roster now. When Kevin Durant gets back, how, how is that all going to work? But, you know, there's a new rotation now. Um, you know, it's going to, you know, at least he's not Brett Brown, let's put it that way, because Brett <laughs> Brown has to come up with like 18 million different rotations and coaching schemes with the amount of teams that he's had to coach. But, um it's going to be a, a fun ride to sort of see how we see Coach Kenny grow uh, as an NBA head coach. I'm intrigued by the minutes the most because in some ways, like, they want to play elevated minutes, and obviously they're not going to want to play, like, 
low 30s, but they're not going to want to play in the 40s because I think both guys have like, you know, KD will be coming back from the Achilles. Kyrie's had the injury history. So I think in some ways they might look at it like, hey, if I only have to play like 36 or 38 minutes a night and I have some good backups behind me and now I'm reserving myself from the playoffs like we saw Kawhi do this past season, I think it could work out really well and it could almost benefit the players. Oh, it certainly would. You know, I think you, you can handle the responsibilities of a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie. Give him, you know, those 30 minutes a night quite consistently. Karis Levert can have the ball in his hands. You know, there's already an established relationship between Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie. I think that the chemistry between them on the court was a little bit better than we saw with, you know, D'Lo and Karis and D'Lo and Spencer, just because I think that they fit that little bit better. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they both have, like, really good driving games as well. So, if you've got all three of those out there, I want to see all three of those out there at some point in, in the year because all of them are absolutely insane drivers. You know, I think Dilo, uh, Spencer's a bit better of a straight-line driver, but yep. I think Kyrie's handle, you know, just watching some video of him, you know, he, he can just dazzle with his footwork and his handle and just get to the get into the paint at whim. And I think that's going to benefit guys like Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. And Karis Levert, we know how fancy his footwork is, you know, his pivot foot. Um his quickness off the of that first sort of step. But uh, I guess we sort of touched on Jared Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan. It seemed to be the big question coming out of net sort of at least when it came into my comments. Uh, should we address that big boy? Yeah, let's do it. And I just throw this out there. Like, it's going to be a lot of oops for Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. You could argue this is probably one of the best oop catchers Kyrie's ever played with because even when he was in Cleveland, like Tristan Thompson was the guy. And he's a pretty good guy in terms of rolling to the rim, but he isn't necessarily the biggest guy. Jared Allen and DeAndre are both a lot bigger. And then Boston, like, the only guy who was really catching oops was, like, Daniel Tice. And he's only playing minutes off the bench. Yeah, um, so literally, as I was saying about the DeAndre Jordan and, and Jared Allen thing, Crimson Striker insert cool name have also jumped in asking about it. You know, we had Zach asking about it. We had um, our boy Bruce of the Brooklyn Grit asking about it. Um, and obviously Will as well. You know, so Nick, how is this going to work with, with DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen? Who is the better player right now? Who starts? Um, you know, that seems to be... The, the biggest question with the DeAndre Jordan acquisition. Obviously, we know Jared Allen is a better player probably right now, but how does this work going forward with our center rotation? Yeah, I think uh, neither guy is really going to play big minutes. Like if we saw like Jared Allen, maybe he's going to average like 30 minutes or something around that, or maybe averages high 20s. DeAndre averages low 20s. Like I don't think DeAndre needs to necessarily play a ton of minutes out there. And I think it might be similar to what we saw with Ed Davis. It wasn't as much early in the season, but later in the year. When it was a better matchup for Ed Davis, he played more minutes than Jared Allen. Same thing could happen with DeAndre. Say they're battling with Joel Embiid, they want a body in there. Jared Allen's a little bit fatigued and banged up, which happened to him a little bit last year. Maybe DeAndre's getting a little more minutes. But I agree with you. I think Jared Allen is a better player right now in terms of what he can do. But DeAndre does give you something a little bit more in terms of physicality and size because he's a big body. He's been in the NBA for a while. So think minute-wise, I'm not the concern. I think it'll be probably high 20s for Jared Allen, low 20s for uh, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see. I think Jared Allen's not necessarily going to care if he doesn't start. Um, so I think that you, you give DeAndre Jordan that starting position for now. Um, but obviously, I think that you, if you can develop you know, a good rapport with him, early on with Coach Kenny and, and the coaching staff, it's just like, look, this is your starting position. But we've got this kid in the wings who can is is a defensive um, beast on the rise. You know he's trying to shoot some threes. If he can get to that level, he's going to be taking your spot. So the onus is on you, DeAndre. How they sort of develop that sort of chemistry. You know, despite the fact that everyone was saying he had a pretty horrible season, 
he nearly averaged a double double still for a you know really crappy team out, out in New York. And you know, I think that he can be if we're looking at Ed Davis as that sort of backup big. You know, DeAndre Jordan can do that. I think that he's probably a little bit worse defensively, but I think that he can be a real banger down low. Um, I think obviously, you know, at, in going into his early 30s now, he's going to lose that little bit of that athleticism, but he can still rebound the ball at a really high rate. He can still dunk the ball, um, and I think he's going to have a good chemistry um, with his boy Kyrie Irving. So you're just looking at some of his um, stats on on um, on basketball reference. I think that he's going to be okay. Um, I don't think right now. I think obviously it makes the most sense. Um, to start Jared Allen because he's the better player. He's earned that uh, over his time in Brooklyn, but he's still young. And obviously, can we see what he's going to do in the offseason as well? Can they, can uh, DeAndre Jordan, as, been, as has been mentioned in our chat a little bit, can he take that sort of mentorship sort of role? Um, because of, you know, we saw the impact that he had on Mitchell Robinson. I think that there was a nice little rapport there. And, you know, Mitchell, he was able to sort of take that backseat to Mitchell Robinson. Can he do the same thing again with Jared Allen? You know, his per 36 numbers last season were better than his near career numbers, 15 and 15 numbers. Um, so we know that DeAndre Jordan is one of the league's best rebounders when he's at his best. What level will we get him at? I'm not 100% sure, but you know, obviously the money, the, the contract looks a little bit inflated, but you know, it's because um, his two guys really wanted him there and, and, wanted him to sac- and wanted to sacrifice for him. So you know, despite the fact that DeAndre Jordan might not be you know, the, the one the guy that was in the big three in the Los Angeles Clippers, he's still got a little bit to give. Yeah, and I think you're playing with your friends. You're going to be a little bit more motivated because they'll clown on you. Like, they're your boys, so it's a little bit easier for them to be like, yo, DeAndre, you could definitely play better than that. And then the one thing that's intriguing, if Jared Allen does go on the bench, his relationship with Spencer Dividey is huge. I think they could have some great chemistry kind of doing their thing. And where DeAndre isn't necessarily as probably intelligent or doesn't have the necessary positioning that Ed Davis had defensively, I still think he's definitely more of a rim protector where I think the skill sets between Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan are more similar than the ones between Jared Allen and Ed Davis. So it kind of gets a little bit easier in terms of defensive uh, scheme because you have two centers that are going to be out there at the same time that you can kind of do similar things. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, Insert cool name is asked, will this trade affect Dinwiddie's role at all? I'm assuming he means just the, the Kyrie Irving acquisition. I think Dinwiddie's role stays exactly the same as it was last season. If not, you know, he might even get some more minutes depending on because we've seen the, the chemistry, obviously, uh, and the relationship that's already sort of started to build with, with Kyrie and Spencer. You know, I think that they're going to be bouncing ideas off each other, left, right, and center. You know, I think that they're going to be, you know, a pretty fun duo to watch next season on and off the court. So I don't think Spencer Dimity's role changes at all. I think that he could really jump up into being, you know, a six-man-of-the-year contender if he stays healthy. And if Lou Williams maybe actually misses a few games. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to see the, the sort of guard rotation and, and again, what Coach Kenny can do around that. Yeah, and we mentioned it, you know, Spencer played a big part in recruiting these guys. So obviously he's excited about it. I didn't know that uh, Kyrie Irving and Spencer Dewey both took a class at Harvard together. Yep. I think that's a lot of where the relationship began. So I think it says a lot. And I don't think his role is going to change. And if he doesn't win six man this year, I would be really surprised if he didn't win it the next year, just because he's literally one of the best players coming off the bench in the entire NBA. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that one. Um, he, I, I put it out in September that he had a September last year that he had a chance to win. I, I, I believed it to an extent because of just the role that I expected him to play. I didn't expect it to come to fruition uh, in such a, a really positive way. And you know, he's a he's a great player. He's an all star ish caliber player. Um, when he's on his game. Um, but, you know, I think that he's going to add plenty of value and we've got him on such a damn good contract. I remember 
been super duper happy and, and recording that podcast from my car um, <laughs> when that Spencer Dimity contract was announced. Uh, it was such a uh, it's such a good time, and it just shows the the faith that it was repaid to him. And, and just gonna... think how much Malcolm Brogdon got, and I would say they're probably on similar levels. I mean, you can make your argument Brogdon's a little bit better if you wanted to, but he just got 20 mil plus. Like, Dinwiddie's collecting pretty close to that. Yeah, and he's going to be invested in the Bitcoin and that Ironman. Oh, <laughs> uh, Crimson Striker has jumped in. Um, he's asked about the Matt guy. I'm assuming he means Garrett Temple for the $10 million. Is he going to take Damari Carroll's role? We chatted about it a little bit. I think we can repeat it a little bit again. He's going to be that sort of bench-use role. He's not a small forward, power forward like Damari Carroll is. He had the three ball, good veteran presence, uh, good guy to sort of have on that sort of mid-level sort of range. Uh, but uh, as well, I don't. We'll be, we'll be diving deep into these individual players when we do some previews and such and, you know, some fun stuff planned ahead um, for, for the offseason for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, 100%. Like you said, he's, you know, Damari's more of that small forward power forward. Temple's more of that shooting guard small forward. Even probably could spend a little time at the point, not necessarily running the show, but defending points he has in the past. Yep. Um, Crimson Striker says he worries about depth at the small forward because KD's out for a bit. Yeah, I mean... I think that that's where you, you sort of touched on it, Nick, where the Nets will have to sort of figure out some things, how to play smaller, figure out schematically, play zone defense and, and how the offense is going to work. You know, I think that there's plenty of teams around the league. How this small team is going to uh, face up against the Philadelphia 76ers uh, is a little bit worrisome because... They're uh, that... a lot faster, though, than the Sixers. Like, there's a lot of talk about the Sixers lineup being so big, but, like, I'd be a little scared that that lineup is really slow. Like, Joel slow. Yeah, but Joel Embiid isn't fast. Al Horford isn't fast. Like, you still need to get up and down the court. Like, Ben Simmons is quick, but, like, Tobias Harris isn't fast either. I'm not saying he's a bad athlete, but you have two guys that are really good athletes, and the other three guys are not that fast. I don't think that that necessarily is going to affect them because I don't think that they play. I mean, Ben Simmons' game is predicated in the open court right now. Um, It's going to be interesting, your size versus speed, if if that was to happen. I think the Nets have plenty of speed on their roster. Kyrie Irving looks really good in the open court. You know, Spencer Dimity, Karras, these sort of guys. You know, I think Kyrie Irving replacing DeAndre Russell, he has a little bit more pace. He's a little bit more uh, forthright and confident in some of his moves. Uh, Obviously, DeAndre Russell likes to sort of be a bit more patient. Um, So... I mean, obviously, the Philadelphia Sixers with the Bucks are the team to sort of beat right now in the Eastern Conference. The, the Brooklyn Nets aren't necessarily on that standard. Uh, but, you know, we could uh, cause some pr- surprises going forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess I have one question for you. What chance would you think it is that we see Kevin Durant at any point this upcoming season? Um, so, for me, um, it was ruled out essentially by Woj. But oh then, then he backpedaled again. Like, I've seen Woj backpedal a couple times, and he said now it's like he's likely out the rest of the season, saying he's out the rest of the season. If, I, if the Nets make the playoffs, or the Nets are, are a legitimate chance in the playoffs, I think that the likelihood he comes around, back around March or so, um, I think, could increase. Uh, I'm not putting a percentage on it as much as you have. <laughs> I can't. Uh, I think that it's too unpredictable to even sort of forecast when he could be back. I think that if anything, you know, you sort of look at marches around that sort of date range. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, I think if you, you you couldn't put anything past a guy like Kevin Durant, who is uh, one of the most superior athletes, you know, we've seen play basketball for a long time. And, you know, I think he's going to attack his recovery um, with the utmost due diligence. He's going to have the best medical staff behind him in the league. Um, and if he's going to come back earlier, it's going to be because of those two factors. You know, if he was in a different organization, I'd probably be a little less confident in it. But, 
Um, I think that the Nets are conservative by nature when it comes to injuries. Uh, so I think that the likelihood is greater that we don't see him, obviously, than we yeah. do. Yeah, I agree. No, definitely. I think the one thing is a medical team. You mentioned KD and his work ethic and just the, the will to really want to be in love with basketball and be back on the court. Then I think, obviously, he's extremely rich. He lives in New York City. You know, some of the best, best health services you can find are there. So, hey, I, I don't, I'm not ruling it out. I think some people have ruled it out that we definitely won't see him. But like you said, I think there is a slim chance that we do. Yeah, slim chance is still a chance. Exactly. We got any other questions in terms of the mailbag or the chat, Jack? Oh, just people commenting on the fact that, you know, Kyrie, you know, if, if, if he were to get injured, you know, obviously, you know, to maintain that sort of conservative route, you know, Crimson Striker load management to the max uh, and also him sort of saying that, you know, Philly lacks a bit of outside shooting, uh, which they do. So there's obviously a lot of holes in a lot of different rosters and Nets have their own, but um, we've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So I think that I'm pretty happy with where we're at. Yeah, uh, no complaints for me for like the next year. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing for me to be upset about. This is like literally more ideal than you can imagine. We kind of harped on it yesterday, but Sean Marks and the job that he did taking over this team and getting him to this position right now, where, yeah, maybe they're not a contender this upcoming season, but if Kevin Durant is back and healthy, they're one of the best teams in the entire NBA. You can go into that season being the favorite to win a championship. Yeah, I think that um, it's depending on how we sort of – you know, move going forward, obviously, it's the slow play. It's the 2020-2021 season. You know, the jump... I'll throw a question at you that the, that the jump had yesterday. Who's the better duo in the 2020... I watched this too. <laughs> Did you see it? Well, yeah, well yeah. obviously, I'll say it for everyone else. And if you guys want to jump in the chat and, and answer it too, who will be a better duo in the 2020-2021 season? Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant or AD and LeBron James? That's really tough. I think a lot depends on, like, if we see KD at the end of this season it gives you a better chance that they would be the better duo. But if that's KD first coming back to basketball in the 2020-2021 season, then it's probably still LeBron and AD. But I think we also have to take in the fact is, like, we know LeBron is superhuman, but he is starting to get up there in age. Like, we can't ignore the fact that, what, he's 34 this year, he's going to be 36 at that time? Yeah. So what are you rolling with? Um, I think I'll probably oh, – no, I'll back in my boys in. I'll back in, you know, my Brooklyn boys. This um, newfound confidence. Who's this guy? <laughs> uh, I think that uh, out of the four at that stage, Anthony Davis is going to be the best player, you know, mm. barring any unforeseen injuries. And we don't want any injuries to happen to any of these guys. We want them all at their best and fullest and fittest because this is four, these are four of my favorite players in the NBA right now. You know, LeBron James could still be a top 20, top 30 player at that stage. We don't necessarily know. Kevin Durant, if he gets back to his fullest, could be the best player of the of the four. True. Um, but I think Anthony Davis is still peaking. Kyrie Irving is still peaking and probably at his sort of peak range. Um, you know, it's weird to say that he'll be the worst player out of the four, but, you know, I think that he'll be better than LeBron maybe as he continues to age. But, you know, it, it seems really strange that, you know, a guy like LeBron James continues to fight the age norm. Um, obviously, you know, last season, despite that, you know, big sort of groin injury, the first sort of serious injury he's ever had, still averaged 28, 8 and 8. You know, he's just a, an absolute machine. And we know more than any other how much he invests into his body. Um, it just makes me think, like, you know, imagine LeBron James with the medical staff behind him of, of the Brooklyn Nets. He could be playing until he's, like, 48. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Like, he's 34. And 
and like he still was really good at a lot more a lot of guys in the league and that's something you just don't see like guys just drop off and it really hasn't happened to LeBron I think maybe the fatigue has caught up to him in terms of like stamina you know he's not the same two-way player that he once was but he's still able to produce when he needs to and then having AD there his workload is going to be probably cut down to a lot smaller than what we saw in the past it's intriguing I got friends texting me like I hope you're ready for 2020 2021 NBA finals Lakers Nets yeah, it seems to be the uh, – it's so hard to forecast what's going to happen. You know, I remember at the start of the season doing previews with you, not just on the buzz, but on the NBA outlet, where it's just like, you know, the story is already written. You know, the, the ending is written. It's the Golden State Warriors. And then we saw what happened along the way. You know, the, the pages certainly haven't been written yet. And especially, you know, two seasons away. You know, we haven't even started the 2019-20 season. Free agency isn't even over yet, guys. So – there is so much that can happen in this wild, crazy league. Who would have thought three years ago that the Nets would have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their roster? Um, there's so much that can happen in such a short space of time uh, in the NBA. Uh, I'm not putting anything set in stone yet, but you know we've got the foundation uh, there in place that we can be contending. We can be a sustainable. Uh, we can take over New York. Um, it's going to be a really fun time, and it's fun times being a, a Brooklyn Nets fan. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the media is pushing that the Nets now own New York. Obviously, they still have a lot of work to do. I think the most promising thing about this roster is, you know, obviously there's still the concern with KD coming back, Kyrie, you know, with the knee history. But there's so many young guys in this roster that I think a lot of people have confidence, not only being us, but other NBA media people. You heard this a lot today on the broadcast or the podcast, whatever it may be, that they're going to get better. And the player development staff is there to improve these guys. So it's not like KD and Kyrie are coming to a situation where they have to do all the work on their own. You're looking at a guy like Karis LeVert who could be an all-star, and then you're looking at some other guys in the roster being Prince, Rodions, and Jared Allen that can be these above-average players. And then you, we talked about Spencer Dewey already being a fringe all-star type player. There's a lot of room for this team to be really good from top to bottom. It's not like they're just going to be one of these top-heavy super teams. They'll be a super team that has the depth as well. And we've seen of late, and you know, even the Golden State Warriors at their best had depth. The, the Cleveland Cavaliers had a good bench. You know, in that championship season, the Toronto Raptors had went eight deep. You know, yeah. the, the Nets legitimately can do that. Last season, our strongest suit was our depth. You know, with us in the Los Angeles Clippers, we had the best benches in the NBA. It's what made us, you know, a playoff contender. We've still got that depth. And, you know, that depth is only going to, you know, not necessarily, it's not going to extend, but the quality of the depth, you know, the players that you mentioned, Nick. So uh, it's going to be, you know, a, a fascinating 12 months, 24 months. You know, uh, it's going to keep on growing. And, you know, I'm looking forward to getting back to, to New York sooner rather than later so I can watch the Nets games. And even if KD isn't playing to see Kyrie Irving, I'm, I'm not sure if I can buy a Kyrie Irving Brooklyn Nets jersey or T-jersey <laughs> just yet. Um, but maybe if some people ask me to and then they get sick of him, then maybe I can. I'm going to buy a Kevin Durant jersey. I already guaranteed that. I feel fully confident. He didn't sign for no reason. Obviously, I know it's at least good for a year because he still has to come back from injury. So definitely going to cop some gear. I mean... It's a great time to be excited. You feel good about it. Jack, we got any other questions before we get out of here? No, just plenty of comments just around the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, everything just going around like crazy. Um, it's it's fun time being an, uh, an NBA fan and you know there's going to be plenty of content on OTGBasketball.com. Oh, by the way, guys, DSGNTree.com, the Brooklyn Buzz, you know, just get in before Huawei Hot Baby. And you got a $10 coupon right now, America10, and you get $10 off, so pretty much $15 with shipping. So, hey, not a bad deal at all. Reward yourself for the holiday. 
get on that Brooklyn Buzz bandwagon. And like Jack mentioned, more NBA talk, head to otgbasketball.com. The OTG team has doing an excellent job of recapping a lot of these signings already. And we'll be going live on the NBA outlet at 8 p.m. to talk about some of the signings around the league from Jimmy Butler to Hassan Whiteside, all that nonsense. But as always, thank everybody for hopping on and listening in. Jack, always a pleasure. iTunes, Block Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com. That's plug.com, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.